0: We've been doing a, a, a little series, as is as my, as my want, and um, we find again and again in Scripture the phrase, a greater than, a greater than Abraham, a greater than Jonah, and uh, today we're going to be looking at the question, a greater than Jacob, and there's a greater than Solomon and the temple, and we might link them together on uh, an, a, a next time we're able to share with you. The big question always is, who is Jesus Christ? We have to identify him. You know, it's almost like a jigsaw, and even in saying a jigsaw, the illustration isn't a good one. It's as if there's a piece. Until that piece is in the right place, it ain't going to work. And that's really what it is with the identification of who Jesus Christ is. Once we know who he is, and we put him into our lives, into the scriptures, into everything then it fits we can see the finished picture and in these studies the question has been asked about Jesus being challenged are you greater than Jonah you know a greater than Jonah is here and of course speaking about his resurrection Jonah was three days in the fish Jesus was three days in the grave and rose to eternal life and throughout these studies each time we see a fresh understanding of who Christ is and we see people identifying who he is So tonight we come to the woman um, at the well. Now, I've been preaching rather a long time. So I'm now going to use my phone to tell me how long I've been preaching. Now, I've put down here 30 minutes. I don't know what happens when the 30 minutes ends. A buzzer might go off. It might explode. You know, Lyndon Bowery might jump from the balcony Into the midst. I don't know, so I'm going to try and be more disciplined with my time. Last time I was here, I spoke for quite a long time and it was a warm evening, so I'm going to try and be a little bit more disciplined if I can. Well, we're now in John chapter 4, which is the story of the woman at the well. Again, a very well-known story. It talks about her domestic situation. It talks about theology. It talks about history. There's a whole load of things happening in this story of the woman at the well. So let me read to you and give us some scriptural basis for what we're going to look at. I'm going to read from verse 4. Now he, that's Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired uh, as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Brackets, for the Jews do not have association with the Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would not ask him and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater? Here's the question. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, drank from himself, and did his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be a thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will come In him, a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. I'm going to pause there. We will look at some other scriptures further on in the story, but we'll pause there. Let me pray. Father, we ask you now to help us not only to understand your word, but it might apply to our hearts. I'm sure there's no one either in this room or listening online who feels that they are the finished product. We will all admit, Lord, we should be more like you than we are. And we pray, Lord, our devotions tonight, might be part of that work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Amen. Amen. The background to this story is very unique. We had the phrase there, which we read together, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Samaria was not looked upon favourably by the Jewish people. They were not, if I can use this word, they were not pure Jews. They were a mixed race. Um, and partly from the Assyrians who had come to that part of the world earlier on and they were involved there and they um, married and they were not thought as pure Jews. Also when the nation divided which is Old Testament history we won't have time now we know that they were settled there and really the Jewish people kept themselves to themselves and when they came back from the exile they would have nothing to do with each other. And so... Normally, a Jewish man, particularly a rabbi, would walk right around the borders of Samaria. He actually thought that if he walked on the ground or walked through there, somehow he would become contaminated. How silly. This was pure and simply a race matter, very much in our headlines today. They had no dealings with them. They'd look down on them. They had nothing. And so the fact that the scripture says there that Jesus, in verse 4, says, he must go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Now, he didn't have to go through it. He could have gone round it. And most commentators say that he went through it because he was going to have an appointment with this woman. Now, whether we agree or not, it's not really that essential. But he had an appointment with this woman. Here we have Jesus beginning international missions. Here we have Jesus breaking out of the nation of Israel, and actually stepping over into a border to the Samaritans and to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Missions is very much in our thinking at the moment. And here we have Jesus stepping out of his box. Never declare that anyone can't become a Christian. Don't say, oh, my relatives, they'll never become Christians, or these people will never become Christians. Let me tell you, we're not allowed to say that. We share the good news of Jesus Christ, and then the matters between them and the Holy Spirit from that moment on. And so we find here Jesus is doing something very unique. He's breaking convention in so many ways. He not only breaks convention by the place where he goes, but by the conversation he has. It tells us there, he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given his sons. Verse seven, when a woman came out to draw water, Jesus said, will you give me a drink, again, breaking with convention. It wasn't the done thing. Not only wasn't it the done thing for men to speak to ladies in public, but in this situation, for a Jewish rabbi, as Jesus was thought of, he's more than a Jewish rabbi, but, in that, but yet he would speak to her. Whether she was Jewish or a Samaritan, it really wasn't the done thing. But you see, Jesus comes to break down barriers. Now, not all barriers are. I'm going to travel up the M1 after the service, and there's a barrier in the middle of the road that I hope stays there. It keeps that traffic away from me and keeps me away from them. So, some barriers are there for our safety, but some barriers really are not that important. And Jesus broke these barriers. And we have barriers in our conduct and the way we behave ourselves. Of course, we do. But in this case, he steps over the border of the geography the racism that went with the Samaritans. He also breaks the civil, is it likely, the etiquette of the day, and he asked this lady for a drink. He asked her for a drink because he was very thirsty. The Bible tells us Jesus was tired. What an encouragement to us to know that Jesus got tired. And many of you I know have become tired. Well, listen, he knows what it's like to be tired. And so they come there and he meets this woman. It tells us in verse six, it was the sixth hour. Again, that opens up for us a lot of information. So we find it was Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob gave his sons. We find that Jacob's well was there. He sat down, it was about the sixth hour. The sixth hour was six hours from sunrise, okay? So it was midday, we would think of today. Now, no one would go to collect water at midday. It would be too hot. The ladies, or whoever's responsibility, sadly I think it was the ladies' duty, forgive me, and would have gone at that time. But this lady went at that time because she was ostracised by the community. And we'll find out later why she was there on her own and possibly why Jesus picked her out for this conversation. The sixth hour, it was midday. He said, will you give me a drink? Now, the challenge we have here is the actual place where this took place. Now, it was a very significant place. It was a well that Jacob had given. And the lady, a little later, takes great store and talking about the history. Well, Jacob dug this well, and it was such a good well, We're still drinking the water hundreds of years later. Not only did Jacob drink from it, his children drank from it, his sheep drank from it, and his camels. They all had water from this well. And it was almost a sort of spiritual pride that in the middle of Samaria, we have this special, not a holy place, but this special place where Jacob's well was. And her pride was in the history, her pride was in her the identity of knowing that this was none other than the well that Jacob had dug. And that whole attitude towards this well was going to be the springboard for Jesus to talk and to share. The place was near the place where Jacob gave land to his son. Jacob's well was there in that way. Then we find some questions take place. Jesus hadn't just gone there, I believe, to have a sit down. He hadn't just gone there to have some water. He'd gone there to show that the gospel is for all people, all places, and at all times. There then comes a conversation between Jesus and her. It's interesting, you know, Jesus didn't preach at her, but he spoke to her. Personal evangelism is still, I believe, one of the most, if not the most, um, fruitful types of evangelism. Talking to people, telling them your story, sharing your faith, with them. And Jesus enters into this conversation with the lady. And it goes a little bit like this. Can you, first of all, he asked her, he says, Can you um, give me some water? Now, the woman's response is very simple How can you ask me for a drink? In verse nine. That was her first question. You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews have no association with the Samaritans. Immediately, we find that she first of all calls Jesus a Jew, okay? Her titles of Jesus change in the conversation, but it starts off with, you're a Jew. How can you ask me for a drink? You you Jews don't even recognize us. You know, you know. a little later she gets into a theological discussion about worshipping Jerusalem, or worshipping on this mountain, and there was a mountain there, and in fact, Alexander the Great gave permission for a temple to be built on it, and it's all a load of history here, a load of religious history, which when Jesus turns up, goes right out the window. You know that, don't you? Because he is the reality of all things. And so her first question really is this, how can you ask me for a drink? because it was breaking all conventions and all rules. Jesus' response is, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked you to drink, he would give you living water. And so Jesus is using this well with all its historical significance, with all its spiritual pride. We've got Jacob's well in our town. He's turning it around and says, if you knew who was talking to you, if you understood who I was, you wouldn't ask me. You'd be asking me, not for water from Jacob's well, but for living water. Now here we have a little bit of a challenge. Because was he speaking, now I know what he was speaking about, but was he speaking about living water? Often when the scripture speaks about living water, it's talking about a spring of water. Okay, okay. So there would be a spring in the ground and the water would come up, a spring. And they would would call that living water. We have several verses in the Old Testament that speak about that. Then they would also have a well where you dug down below the water level, the water would gather. That wouldn't be living water, it wasn't spring water. So Jesus is playing here. If you had known who it was asking you, you would be asking me for living water. Now, it was quite obvious that this was a well. It wasn't living water. It was a well that would fill up because of the water table at that particular part of the country. And so Jesus begins to open her up. He's saying, there's something more. There's something more available. You're taking pride in water that we're going to draw out of a bucket. And by the way, Jesus said, I'll be glad of a glass of that. But there's something more on offer. Please don't settle for religion. Don't settle for um, ritual. Don't settle for places and things. Please don't settle for anything. Only settle for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not, We are a pilgrim people in the sense that we're travelling to heaven, and hopefully you won't get there before the service is over. Okay? But you know, we're not. If, if you know, if we lost this building, this church would continue. If we lost the Elam headquarters, this movement would continue. If you know, It would continue because we're not into places. We're not into Jacob's wells. We're not into temples. We're into the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, if you'd known who it was asked you, you would be saying to me, give me living water. Well, she's confused, and I don't criticise that. She says, the well is deep. Where can you get this water? And then she asked the question, are you greater than our father Jacob. Are you going to do something that Jacob couldn't do? Jacob dug a well. Are you going to find a spring of water? Are you going to achieve more? Again, it was on the physical level. We're having a very good conversation here. Not too theological, just the word living water thrown into the conversation to draw it out. Because that, he says, are you greater than Jacob's well? And in verse 13, we have the response. This is why he was greater than, Jacob's, than Jacob. Because Jacob provided water to quench natural thirst. Jacob provided water that was for cattle, for humans, for quenching thirst. Not a problem. Thank you, Jacob, for taking the trouble to do it. But Jesus is now talking of something else. He is not distracting from what Jacob did. He said, if you'd known the gift of God, and who is the ask you for a drink, you would ask him, to, would give him living water? So, sir, so we've moved now. Don't forget, earlier on she said, you're a Jew. Now, her attitude to him is softening. It's not, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, it's sir. She's beginning to understand that the person before her is unique. It's different in some way. And she moves in her acknowledgement by saying the word, Sir. He says there, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw when the well is deep. Are you greater? Um, where will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave you this well and it's back to history and he drank from it and so did his sons and his flocks and his herds. And then Jesus answers the whole thing. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Well, of course, and I'm going to prove the point. This has not come from this has come from Scott's well. I don't know where Scott's disappeared to. This is only water. And may I just say it's are you warm? Are you thirsty? This is lovely. Hmm. Only thing missing is a teabag. Now the thing with this water is this. And you're going to think, I came all the way to church to hear this. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to be thirsty again very soon. Good water. Is it Thames Valley here? Where I live, it's Seven Trent in Derby. And we say, thank you, Seven Trent. We say, thank you, Thames Water or whatever it is in London. We say, thank you. But I'm going to be thirsty again. And in my car, I'll have a bottle of water with me. It's probably going to be one of those bottles there. And I will be thirsty again. And Jesus saying, "Listen, you're missing the point." And then he said, "You're missing the point, sunshine. I don't know if you're the colder sunshine, but I might have done." So you're missing the point, sunshine. Listen, the trouble is this: Jesus. Asked, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. Wow! One glass and you never thirst again. Wow, that is some water. He is obviously now not um, ridiculing the water from Jacob's well, far from it. Um, He's acknowledging it, but he's saying there is something far better on offer. Something that will drink, you will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I will give him, notice it, the water I will give him, Will spring, will be a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And now we get round to the grace and the mercy of God. She was interested in water, living water. Are you greater than Jacob? Do you know how long it took Jacob to dig this? Well, Jacob probably didn't dig it, he got somebody else to do it. Do you know how long it took? And you're telling me that you're going to come up with a spring of water? Do you not think we would have discovered it by now? And he says, listen, you've missed the point. I'm not here just to quench natural thirst that will return in minutes or in hours or in days. I have on offer. I can share with you water that will spring up to eternal the life. Immediately, breaking free from all the natural connotations of the water, speaking about eternal life, which was important. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water, so that I won't get thirsty again, and have to keep coming here to draw water. She missed the point. Oh yes, Jesus just said earlier, give this, will never thirst, will never thirst. So if you have the water Jesus offered, you will never thirst. That's what she heard. She didn't hear the eternal life bit for some reason. She said, give me this water, because I don't like coming out here every day to draw water. I don't think I would either. She said, listen, let's bring this to an end. I'll have this living. So one drink, and that's the drink. I, don't ever, I never have to come and draw water again. So give me this water. So I won't get thirsty. you have to keep coming to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Now, something changed now. We've gone from a discussion about Jacob and the well and the water. The woman has sidestepped the possibility of eternal life. She likes the idea of never having to drill water again from a well, right? But now... So Jesus says, right, okay, let me catch your attention. Let's focus now a little more. And I believe this is one of the clearest words of knowledge in the Scripture. I think Jesus exercised all the gifts of the Spirit. Well, not necessarily all of them, but most of them were exercised by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this is a word of knowledge he knew about the lady. He said to her, He told her, go call your husband and come back. Now, was this because the conversation was becoming deeper and it was correct that he should be present? Was it that the time that they were spending together was now becoming longer and custom and etiquette required that her husband turn up? I'm not sure. But let me say this, that wasn't the point he was going to make. He wanted to catch her attention She said, I have no husband, she replied. Right, okay, fine, you don't have to get married. So she had no husband, okay. Jesus said, you are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Wow. She was satisfied with, go find your husband if we're going to, talk on a deeper level. No, no, no. He wanted her to know that he knew everything about her. You don't have a husband, you've had five relationships, and the guy you're with now at the moment, you're not married to him either. Now, what what is thrilling to me about this is this, that having known everything about her, he still wanted to offer her eternal life. You know, no one is too big a sinner for the grace of God. Now, if you say, well, I, oh, I'm not a big sinner. You can be a little sinner and you still need Jesus. You can be a big sinner like me and you still need Jesus. It's not the quantity of sin. It's the fact that we have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus catches her attention. By telling her things that possibly only she knew. Or the community knew what she was like. That sounds terribly judgmental, but pardon my phrase. They were aware of it. That's why she was there at midday. The other women didn't want to associate with her. Because she was not a nice person in society. Six husbands, six relationships. Do whatever phrase you're comfortable with on that. And he catches her attention. And it's seen very simply like this. You are right. You have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. Can you imagine her face? As Jesus began to tell her about her private life and her relationship, then she says says in verse, sir. So we've gone from Jew, right? We move further down and it's sir. And now she says, I can see you are a prophet. We're making progress, you're a Jew, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. And then because of the spotlight upon her, she does what a lot of people do. She begins to talk theology. She wants to have a debate. She wants to talk about it, think it through, examine it. No, sir. Jesus said, I see you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place you should worship is Jerusalem. Jesus wasn't going to fall for this. This was just talk. What didn't matter? All these questions about Jerusalem or Samaria or this mountain, or mattered nothing now. Jesus had arrived. He was all that mattered. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Wow! Whoa, imagine how that would have gone down with the Sanhedrin. Was it any wonder the Jews wanted to kill Jesus? He says there's a time coming when it doesn't matter where you go, up that mountain, up that mountain, don't matter. Because there's a time coming when people will worship in spirit and in truth. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Not just to the Jews, it's from the Jews. In other words, it's it's available for others. Yet a time is coming, and has now come. It's now. Don't talk to me about this mountain, that church, that building. See, I'm not interested in it. The time has come now when people will worship the Father in spirit, and in truth, for there are kinds of worship the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so this poor lady went out to get some water. There was a man sat at the well and said, could you get me some water, please? And the conversation continues. There's conversations about the well in its history. There's conversation about her domestic life and the situation she finds herself in. There's a debate about temples and mountains and all sorts of things. And Jesus says, and the time is now when you're not going to be worshipping in that mountain or that mountain, you're going to be worshipping at this mountain, which was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Well, we're almost there. This woman must have been reeling not from just the Bible study that she was receiving, on the spiritual word she'd received from God. But the woman said, then the woman said, I know that Messiah, called the Christ, is coming. I was quite moved when I was writing this with that phrase. In spite of her lifestyle, which we would not condone, we wouldn't stone her, but we wouldn't condone that. You know, I don't think we are. Jesus never condoned sin, he forgave sinners. You know, it wasn't a matter of, oh, do what you like, I'll forgive you. It isn't do as you like. It's do what he likes. And when you make a mistake, he will forgive. His grace and his mercy are always there. And this lady who you would think had given up church, had given up the Bible, had given up religion, you'd think with her domestic history, all these different men through her life at different times and all that it meant, losing her place in society, having to go to the well on her own, Wondering maybe every day when she went to the well, were these men worth it? As she stood alone at the well, and Jesus turns up. Jesus turns up. Oh, please, there was some spirituality about her. Some spirituality about her. Because she goes to the $64,000 question. I know that Messiah, called Christ, is... Coming, And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Wow. Did she mean theologically he will explain everything to us? Of course Messiah would. He was doing it. Would explain everything to her about why she found herself in this predicament? And then lastly he says, Jesus cleared. I who speak to you, am he. Started off with the word Jew. Not in a nasty sense. In verse 9, a Jew. In verse 11, a sir. In verse 19, a prophet. And verse 20, she acknowledged that Messiah is coming. And Jesus says, I'm here. I don't know if you're looking for a Messiah I don't know if you're looking for someone to come into your life and change it and make a difference. Well, let me tell you now, he's here. He's not meeting you by a well in Sychar. He's not meeting you by some historical place, Jacob's well. He's meeting you exactly where you are, at home or in this building. He's here. Living water? Yes. From a spring, no. From God itself welling up to eternal life. That's the point. The whole point of Christ's ministry was that he would bring you and me and the woman at the well to a place where through our repentance and acknowledging who he is, we might receive, the Holy Spirit might give us the gift of eternal life. That's it. You say, Gordon, it sounds too simple. Well, it's simple, but it's mega, isn't it? I hate to use the word awesome, but it is awesome. It's a word that's hammered at these days. And your well is here tonight or at home. You say, I'd love to bump into Jesus somewhere and have a conversation with him. Well, hang on, he might tell you some things about yourself you've been trying to keep quiet. And why did he expose her sin? There we go. That's, that's the, I didn't know what would happen. I honestly didn't know. So that's 30 minutes. So I've got to stop. Hands up. Can we have a vote? Can I have two more minutes? Hands up. Oh, that'll do, right. Two two more minutes. Okay, Lyndon, did you hear that? I've got two more minutes. Jesus comes up. We might have eternal life. That's what it's all about. Oh, do you mean I'll never die? Well, sadly, one day we may indeed have your funeral, but you will have eternal life from the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the work of God, the Holy Spirit. So was he greater than Abraham? Yes, he brought in a greater covenant. Was he greater than Jonah? Yes, because Jonah was three days in a whale, whereas Jesus was three days in the grave and rose again. Is he a greater than Jacob? Yes, because Jacob provided water that you became thirsty again. Jesus provided water that satisfies for eternity. And maybe the next time we're together, we'll look at Solomon. The question is asked, are you greater than Solomon? Well, we will see.